for that. Now you're in the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 6, and verse number 15. Nehemiah 6, 15. So the wall was finished in the 20 and 5th day of the month Elu, in, the, in 50 and 2 days. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters unto Tobiah, and letters to Tobiah came unto them. For there were many in Judah sworn unto him, because he was in the son-in-law of Sennacherib, the son of Ara, the son of Johan, and had taken the daughters of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, and they reported his good deeds before me, and uttered my words to him, and to, and sent, and Tobiah sent uh, letters to put me in fear. Father, bless this time, bless this hour now, as we look to the word of God. May Christ be honored and glorified. We love you for what you've done. We love you for what you're going to do, and just for who you are, just being God, eternally and always the same. Now bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we study Nehemiah, we see this dear man building the wall. He's a, he's a, he's a, a butler by trade. His occupation was down in the palace in the Persian Empire under the Medo-Persian king, and he has ministered there till he gets the burden to go back to Jerusalem, his city, his beloved Jerusalem, really which he's never seen before because they were in captivity and for 70 years. So he was born in captivity. And now he has a burden, and he never forgot his roots, where he came from. He never forgot that he's, this is Jerusalem, he's a Jew, and, and his home is Israel, and, 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 and Jerusalem is his capital. And when he hears the word that the city has been destroyed, and the walls are burnt down, and, and the people are living in fear because there are no walls about the city, he gets a burden on his heart to go back to the city and to help rebuild the walls. And the king uh, of Persia gives him uh, letters, and he makes his way on back to the city and there he begins to build, and he has the help of the people, and he begins to work, and the people are working, and of course there's opposition, and we've seen the enemies of God, the enemies of Nehemiah, and all that they have done to try to hinder the work and stop the work, and how they have thought, sought to hinder the work, they have lied, they have slandered, they have plotted to kill him, and on and on the list goes. But here we see in Scripture that in spite of the opposition on every hand, Nehemiah was still able to bring about the completion of the construction of the walls of Jerusalem. The Bible says in verse number 15 again that the, the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month Elu, or Elu, in the 50 and two days. And the day, again, there's something very important we want to learn about these. It says the 25th day of the month Elu. The month Elu corresponds approximately with our month of September. Now sometimes these overlap. It may be like a, an August, September, or a uh, September, uh, uh, October type thing. But that's in this ballpark is when this Hebrew month lands on the calendar we used. And, and the wall was finished at the beginning of the fall, and it was started approximately in our month of July. And so thus the walls were built really in the, the hottest time of the year. July is always a brutally hot month. And listen, I like the hot weather and I enjoy the hot weather, but uh, none of us enjoy uh, working. There's two times in my life I was really dehydrated and almost suffered a heat stroke and probably was on the verge of a heat stroke working in the, the hot summer sun. 
I'm only to sit in my house to have my body cramp up and, and my wife pumping fluids into me as my limbs and fingers and toes twisted and gnarled from, the, from, a, a, from lack of uh, hydration and sat there in a chair for hours just trying to regain my composure, suffering a heat stroke. One must maintain themselves. And being in the Middle East, it is no doubt a very hot place in the month of July. And so it's, it's amazing that they were able to start this job when they did and, and complete it. The Bible says we see how the pace of the work and how, how long it took them. It says in 50 and 2 days. <laughs> you know, there's a bridge. Maybe you're familiar with the air. There's a bridge in Clifton. It, it, it crosses a creek. You know, a creek. A creek. It's not the Passaic. It's not the Hudson. It's not, you know, we're not talking about the Mississippi. We're talking a creek. And for two years, it's been closed. And I don't know what, they probably got some excuse. But for two years, by the, by the stopping shop over there, it's closed. Two years. And there's no end in sight. It's not like they're putting the finishing touches on the things just sitting there. For two years to build a tiny bridge. It took them 13 months to establish and build the Empire State Building. 13 months to steal when they were putting it in place was still warm to the touch as it was being shipped in from Pittsburgh, from the steel mills. And in 13 months, they built the Empire State Building and had it up. 50, 20, 52 days, they have finished the walls. And again, we've talked about how massive these walls and how big these walls are. We're not talking about, again, a garden wall or a wall around our church here. We're talking about a massive structure, walls that would be 30 feet high in the air and maybe 20 feet thick and, and with towers on them so that men could stand in the towers and watch and armies could line on the top of the walls and be able to fight uh, battles if need be. And has it been a massive undertaking to do what they have done in just those 52 days? Now, my friend, that is a remarkable pace. And no wonder the adversaries got upset for the wall went up before their eyes again very quickly. They're mocking of the Jews. Uh, and look at, you will, at uh, Nehemiah chapter number 4 and verse number 2. Nehemiah chapter number 4 and verse number 2. It says, And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps? of the rubbish which are burned. This is a mocking thing. What do they think they're going to do? They think they can actually build this wall? 52 days later, there the walls are. They're mocking. They've had to eat their own words. By the way, maybe it's sin, but maybe it's not. I don't know. But don't you love it when you make somebody have to eat their own words, especially when the cause of Christ has been advanced? And you've done something for Almighty God, and somebody, you can't do that. It's never going to get done. And, And you watch God do something. He said, what about that? What about that? So again, the, the, this speed meant the workers worked, worked very hard. And they had a great deal of passion. Again, look at Nehemiah 4. What does it say in, in verse number 6? So built we the wall. And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. And I want you to notice this last phrase. It's worth marking in your Bible. For the people had a mind to work. We're definitely not describing most of Americans here, but it says here that the people had a mind to work. And thank God for people who have a mind to work because they're supporting the other people who don't have that mind. 
they have the mind to work. It's, the, it's our duty. It's our responsibility to build this wall and to do what we are supposed to do. My friend, in, when it comes to the things of God, we should have a mind to work. A mind that this is what we want to do. We've had some massive undertakings around this little piece of property here we've done throughout the years. And I've always prayed, God, give everybody a mind to work. And we've seen people come in. You know, we didn't have a, we couldn't afford a construction crew to come in and, and tear down the old retaining wall, which was collapsing, and, 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 and to pay for a new company to come in. No, we, we had to do that all ourselves. And, and God gave us uh, a, a company, Miss Rejoice's husband, who's home with the Lord now. He, uh, his boss let him use the backhoe and dump truck for a Saturday. They came in and they tore that wall out in one day. They, we, went, we dropped it off down at Bedrock Stone, which used to be down there. It's another company now. And uh, we were going to pay to drop off the, the dump truck down there with all the, a truckload of brick and dirt. And, and the guy asked, well, where's this from? The guy said, well, it's from the church up the street. He goes, which church up the street? He goes, a little white one, gospel light. And he says, just dump it for free. And he goes, why? He goes, my daughter went to VBS there. You guys were nice to her. And uh, just dump it for free. We, we dumped two trucks down there for free because a little girl came to VBS. Amen, that's God. And then we had, listen, the handicap ramp. You like the handicap ramp? You like walking in there? You hate those stairs out front? Uh, listen, the handicap ramp was dug out by hand. The guys dug that by hand. And, and, and we shoveled all the dirt onto, into trucks again because we only had the backhoe for one day. I remember working. I was like, Lord, I could sure use another backhoe. The Lord said, well, you've got a back and start hoeing. <laughs> and so we started working out there and, and got, I was young back then and uh, didn't mind working. That was a long time ago. That was probably 20. When did that wall go up? 2019, we put the wall up. No, not 2019. What am I talking about? 2009, maybe? I forget. I'm getting old. No, 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 no. I'm old. Forget about it. I can't remember the dates. But we see the people had a mind to work. People came and they worked and they built and we took care of things. And when it comes to the cause of Christ, we ought to be willing to do something. Again, when you have a mind to work, that would help them complete the walls. And God gave them that mind. God put within them the, the desire to let's go do something. Let's get this done. Let's work. Let's accomplish. This would be a good thing. Too many people stand around, well, you know, and, and, and thinking about how nice it would be instead of saying, you know what, let's get it done. My, our next-door neighbor growing up, he was a nice man. I always enjoyed him. He was a nice guy. My father didn't like him. My father, again, my father was an interesting individual. My father could get along with anybody on planet Earth, but if he thought you were lazy, you were in his book. So that was my father. And, uh, and, and he thought the next-door neighbor was lazy because every summer the next-door neighbor put a ladder against his house and was going to paint the house and spent the, next, and spent the rest of the entire summer with a Budweiser in his hand staring at the house and the ladder, and the house never did get painted. And my father would be in the house, again, not a Christian man, saying things and, and just talking about the neighbor. He never had a mind to finish that, that house over there, but that's the way it was. And again, I, I enjoyed our neighbor. He was, again, nice to me. Him and his wife were always nice to me. And they liked my mother, and they liked my brothers and sisters, but for some reason they had problems with my father. Ah. <laughs> uh, the things you remember growing up. Christy can testify to these things. We have a mind to work. Do we have a mind to read our Bible? Do we have a mind that wants to do the things of God? Do we have a mind that wants to witness and share Christ? Do we have a mind 
that wants to live right? Do we have a mind that wants to serve Almighty God and do with all that is within us? You can still hold your secular job and still serve Almighty God, but you need that mind. So again, these people had this mind and they were willing to do this. We see here in Scripture as we go back to chapter number 6 and verse number 16, the Bible says, And it came to pass that when our, all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of God. My friend, just because something gets done for Almighty God does not mean everybody's going to be happy about it. People are going to be set. The Bible says here that they were cast down. Some of them were cast down by the completion of the wall. Now again, who are these people that are cast down here? Well, it says that when our enemies heard, verse 16, when our enemies, and do you realize that you and I will have enemies? There are people that will be nice to your face, but inside they hate you because of your faith in Christ and your love for righteousness and the things you do. They genuinely don't have your benefit. We've all been stabbed in the back. We've all had somebody oppose us if you're going to serve Almighty God. And growing up in school, you always had that one friend who was sweet to your face, but yet somewhere else they were shredding you to pieces. So the enemies, so the people who were downcast over the completeness of the walls were basically the enemies of the Jews and, and the heathen. Now the Bible uses that word heathen. People get upset today when the Bible uses that word. You call them heathen. Anybody who does not worship the God of the Bible is a heathen. Now don't get offended. Don't get upset about that. What does God think of the Muslims? God wants the Muslims to be saved, but in Bible language, they would be called heathens. <laughs> That's just who they are. And anybody else on planet Earth who does not worship the God of the Bible would be a heathen. Again, we've turned that into a bad word today. And, and, and you, if you say it, it's almost like you're, you hate people. No, I don't hate people. That's a Bible word. I worship God. Anybody who does not worship God is a heathen. Again, we tend to stay away from it because... We got enough problems without really, you know, just using regular Bible language without really going into the strong stuff here. So these were all upset. The, the, and the Bible also says that they're the enemies of God, uh, the, and also there, there's Jewish people who are upset. I never understood people like Jewish people who would be upset for the Jewish cause. It's like Americans who hate America. I don't understand them people. You ever meet them? This country stinks. I hate this country. Oh. You know, there's planes leaving Newark every day. I'm, I'm sorry. You're free to go. You're free to go. But they hate this country. They hate our founding. They hate our constitution. You're like, well, why are you here? Why are you here? You're free to go. And why would a Jewish person hate the fact that Jewish people built a wall for a Jewish city? What, what, what's the mentality? I don't understand. I got no answer. Nobody can have a good answer. They were just the enemies of God. Although they're Jewish by birth, they weren't Jewish in heart. They didn't love Jehovah God. They were in love with the, with the system that had been put in place. They were in love with the money that was being made, the business they could have, and having power with the corrupt officials. It's always a dangerous thing. And he says that they perceived that this work was wrought of God in verse number 16. The manner... And the speed by which the wall was completed honored God. Again, even the enemies recognized that God was helping this work. And after all, if you, if you realize God is involved, why would you still hate it? 
Again, some things don't make sense. You get a guy like Balaam in the Old Testament who is going to curse the children of Israel and God keeps stopping him and he knows God is stopping him, yet he still continues to try to go out and curse God's people. You have to wonder, what, what's the mentality in that? If God is not for this, why would I bother fighting God? I'm not going to win this one. And yet people do it all the time. These people recognize there, notice that verse again they, at the end of verse 16, for they perceived that this work was wrought of God. They knew, they knew God was helping this cause and yet they still hated it and, and were trying to stop it. And my friend, if God is working, don't try to stop it. Don't get in the way of it. Let God work. Let God be glorified. It's like when you're, I'm witnessing to people. I'm in a house and I got a Christian there. And this person's lost. And every time I'm trying to deal with the lost person, the Christian has to open their mouth and, and start saying foolish things to try and make my words nicer. And I'm not mean, I'm not unkind, but you know, you know the Bible says we're sinners. Well, you know, and, and they try to, well, my husband's a really nice guy. I know your husband's a nice guy. He loves you, he cares for you, but he's still a sinner. Can you be quiet for five minutes while we, and, the, and so I can explain the gospel to them? And they're like, okay, go ahead. And, and they keep interrupting. Why are you opposing what God's trying to do here? Why are you stopping me from winning a soul to Christ? Why are you trying to stop me from sharing Christ with somebody? What are you ashamed of? What are you upset about? Pastor, I'm bringing somebody to church on Sunday. Don't preach anything mean and be nice. I've had that said to me, by the way. I'm always a nice guy. I'm a sweetheart. So I don't know what they're talking about. And Pastor, I'm bringing a friend. Don't say anything on Sunday bad. I just preach, thus saith the Lord. This is what the Bible says. And if that's a problem, then that's a problem for you, not for me. So again, we ought to do what we can. And by the way, if God is blessing another church, don't get upset. Let me, hey, praise God, they're growing. Well, they must be compromising. They must be liberals. If God's blessing somebody, be thankful for it. Because we're all on the same team, by the way. If it's a Christian church preaching a true gospel and people truly getting born again, God bless them. Let them go. They're not my enemies. I'm not going to stop them. I got the liquor crowd, the drug crowd, this crowd, that crowd to fight against. Uh, the Christian crowd is not my enemies. We see as we move on the adversaries here and how they act and what they do. And it's all learning experience for us and how we deal with things in our life. He says, Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters unto Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came unto them. For there were many in Judah sworn unto him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Ara, and his son Johanan, had taken the daughter of Meshulam, uh, the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Bechariah, and they reported his good deeds before me and uttered my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to put me in fear. This chapter really does end on a sour note recording the evil conduct of some of the people in Israel in their, and how cordial they can become to evil. It's amazing how we can cuddle up to evil. We see this today in today's world, the embracing of evil. And, and, and evil's not that bad. You know, as, as things progress, here we are at this point in time in history, and we say, this is bad. But as evil continues to get worse and darker, the evil that was here that was once really bad, we look at, well, that's not too bad. 
That's not too bad. We kind of, that's kind of a, that's kind of a, we wish for that evil to come back. But it's all evil. It's all evil. It's all bad. It's all not right. Scripture points fingers at the culprits in this, in this, and, and with the adversaries and identifies them. And sometimes people want to be cordial to evil. They want to be nice to it. And you can't be nice to evil. You know, there's, we, we, there's a word out that they're using in the world today. It's called woke. You know, wokeness. And, and Christians try to, listen, I love you, and, and you know, I understand it, who you are. And we, you need to understand something. That crowd is never, ever, ever going to like us. No matter what you say, no matter how many times you apologize, no matter what you do, they're not going to like us because they're lost. Now, it doesn't mean we be mean, ugly, cruel, or unkind. But don't try to cuddle up to them and say, you know, what you're doing is okay and I respect you. No, no, I don't respect you. And your lifestyle's evil and it's perverted and it's wrong. And there's a judgment upon, and I'm trying to warn you because I do love you and I do care about you. That's why I'm warning you that the path you're on is going to take you to a devil's hell forever. And I'm, I'm warning you. I'm not doing it with glee and happiness. I'm doing it because that's what lies ahead of you. Several years ago, many of us who lived in this area, remember, I think it's probably 10, 15 years by now, maybe more, on, a, on, on New Year's Eve when the police from Jersey City came over to South Kearney and they were dealing with a problem there, and they drove back across the 1-9 bridge over there to go back to Jersey City, not realizing that the bridge had been pulled up, and those police went flying off the bridge and crashed into the Hackensack River and died. There was no warning that the bridge had been named after those two police officers. No, there was no warning that the gates did not come down. Nobody, and they just went, in the, in the, in the night, with not much light, they just went off into eternity with no warning. My friend, we are the lights. We are the watchmen. We are the people saying, you need to stop. You hate us. No, no, you're a hater and you're, you're, you're a phobic. No, I'm just warning you. And, and you've just been deceived. You're believing a lie. We don't need to be cordial to it. The only cordial I want is those cordial cherries you hand out at Every now and then, I like those things, but I'm on a diet, so I'm not eating them right now. Can I brother get an amen on cordial cherries, amen? Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's all right. It seems sometimes that high position is, is, is practically a synonym for evil. That's not always the case, but too often it is. People want a position in politics, and elsewhere, seldom they demonstrate a consecration, but too often demonstrate corruption. This is how it goes. You ever notice people, a singer, they used to sing in church. Well, what do you mean they used to? The, most, the, the greatest place on planet Earth to ever sing is the local church. Because this is God's chosen place, the local church. Not the arena, not the stadium, not the Grammys, not who's got talent or any of those other shows. But people leave the church to go sing for the world. They, they left God. And what happens when they do those things? They, they, they get corrupted. They get corrupted. 
I don't really know much about her, but I know Whitney Houston growing up used to sing in a church in Newark. I don't know anything about the church, so again, I don't, I don't know, but it was a church in Newark, it's right across the river here, right up by the University Hospital. She, she grew up singing in a church as a kid over there. Well, what happened to Whitney and what happened to her daughter? Again, we left and go on into corruption. And I'm, again, I'm not saying she was a Christian. I don't know anything about her. I really don't. I never studied her life. I just know very little. But again, one of those people who used to, used to, used to sing in church. Instead of being consecrated, they got corrupted. I'd rather be consecrated. David says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I'd just rather do some humble job for Almighty God than to be given some high position of authority somewhere and have my soul lost. Again, Satan aims for the best, and he likes to get the nobles doing his dirty work, and, and that makes the dirty work look acceptable, and it makes it look more effective. And we see here how the, the numbers, there were many in Judah, the Bible says. There were many in Judah, verse number 18. There were many in Judah sworn unto him because he was of the son of the law. My friend, just because many people are doing it doesn't mean it's right. The crowd is seldom right. It just seldom is. Be careful of the mob mentality where the whole entire group of people are all cheering one thing. I mean, the mob one day was cheering Hosanna, and a few days later, they were yelling, crucify him and give us Barabbas. The mob is a fickle thing. Don't ever get involved with the mob. The mob for two hours in the book of Acts cried, great is Diana, great is Diana, great is Diana as they worshiped that pagan goddess. Many in Judah. So there were many people. Nehemiah really is a small minority, a group of people who are in this project and want this thing to get done. And, and if he can make it popular, then he can make it more effective. Again, many were corrupt in Israel. In fact, it's amazing that the walls were built with so many being corrupt and, and in cahoots with the adversary. It's a miracle that this job got done with as many who were, as oppo who were opposed to it. And my friend, when God is in something, the entire world can come against it and God's work will get done. You know, we are invincible as long as we are in the will of Almighty God. We really are. Stay on course for God. We notice how the intensity, in verse 18 it says, He sworn unto him. This is a strong commitment to the adversaries. It's, again, it's often easier to get people dedicated to evil than it is to good. How it is. The cordialness towards evil was not a passing fad here, but an earnest bit of conduct that caused much problems for Nehemiah and the, and the work of God in Jerusalem. They sworn unto him, we, we promise we're going to work with you. Be careful of that crowd. And because he says he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah and the son of Johanan and the daughter of Meshulam. This really, the Bible is telling us about a mixed marriage. And when I say mixed marriage, I'm talking about a Jewish person marrying a Gentile. And let me be very clear, just so we get this off the bat. When it comes to skin color, there is no reason why anybody cannot get married. There's nothing in the Bible that says this color cannot marry that color. Nothing. 
The only thing the Bible says about mixed marriage is one person's a Christian and one is not. That's wrong. Moses married an Ethiopian. Now, last time I checked, they were not, they did not, they weren't blonde and looked like Swedish people, okay? There was a vast difference between Ethiopians and Swedes, and Moses is a Jewish man. Moses married, his second wife was an Ethiopian. Now, my friend, uh, his sister and brother got all upset about that, and God punished his sister with leprosy and got her quiet. So when the Bible talks about mixed marriage, it's talking about a saved person marrying a non-saved person. You really have no business dating somebody who's not a Christian. You will violate Scripture. You violate Scripture. Make sure the person that you are interested in is saved. And, don't be, and I don't believe in missionary dating. Well, I'm going to date them to get them saved. No, that's not how you do it either. I've always seen just the opposite happen where the Christian ends up going out into the world instead of vice versa. So again, this is a, a mixed marriage. Some of the Jews had married into the adversary's family. So can you imagine you, your family members with some very corrupt, powerful Gentile people? This is a, a bad thing going on here. Again, today we, people will throw away their Bible because they want to marry a pretty face. They want to marry somebody's figure. They want to marry somebody's finances. They want to marry somebody's fame. And that seems to have a lot to do with whom we choose to marry instead of, does this person love Almighty God? When I got married to my wife many years ago, uh, it'll be 34 years this June 10th, I took that young girl and, and, and made her my wife. I, uh, we were married. We came home. My, my boss looked at me and says, Now, does Renee believe like you believe? I go, What do you mean? Is she, I mean, she's a Christian and she goes to church with you and believes the same thing you believe? I said, Yes. He goes, That's amazing. That's amazing how that worked out. It didn't work out. That's what I was looking for. I was throwing away women left and right just to find her. Amen? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> and I was looking for that one girl that, that believed the same way I believed. I mean, when I met her the first night, we were, I was watching a football game. I was like, now what team are you rooting for? This was a test of spirituality. It was the Redskins versus the, the Giants. Uh, no, we can't say Redskins anymore. I'm sorry. That's probably offensive. But that's, that's, they, that's who they were back in the day, okay? And uh, so... I said, now, who are you rooting for? This is going to test whether I have, uh, she's going to be lucky enough for me to advance this relationship. And uh, she said, I'm rooting for the team in the red and the blue. I said, that's, okay, that's good. We can go, that's, she's saved, and uh, we can go forward from here. <laughs> so we, we went, that's not, that's, well, that's some, what, I did ask her who she was rooting for, and, uh, but I, she was in Bible college, so I assumed she was saved, and we went from there. And... My friend, we dated and we fell in love and we got married because we believed the same way. Again, it's hard to believe. I know it's, it may make you ill, but there were chances and opportunities. And one girl in the blank, bank was always flirting with me and she was very pretty, but I just kept, nope. And uh, he, she even asked me out on a date one time. It's like, my soul, I've never been asked on a date in my life by a girl. This is something's wrong in the, life, in the world. But, uh, you know, no, and... We move forward. She wasn't a Christian. I want, I want a Christian. I want a girl who believes like I do. I want a girl who loves the Lord like I do. I want a girl that, that's going to serve God like I do. And that's what I want in life. And I was praying for that. And 
and uh, asking God for that and begging God for that. And the Bible says, he that findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. So I'm not God. And by the way, I used to, when I was single, God, now it says right here, he that finds a wife finds a good thing. So God, I, I, I'd like a good thing. Right here. God's like, I know, Matt. Just hang on. All right? So if you're a girl, say, now, Lord, I'm a good thing. Bring something good along. There's somebody out there. I don't want no deadbeat loser that I have to support. I want a good guy. So, Lord, I'm a good thing, and help him find me. If you're a guy, now, Lord, help me to be right with God. Help me to do what's right, and, and help me to find a good thing. And, and the Bible says, who can find a virtuous woman? We had a young man in our church years ago all upset and depressed. Pastor, who can find a virtuous woman? I said, God can. God can. Did you ask him? Just ask him. Say, God, I want to... And by the way, you have no business asking for a virtuous woman unless you're a virtuous man. That's how that works. That's how that operates. So again, these people had mixed marriages. They married for money. They married for position. They married for political gain. But they didn't marry because they loved God and wanted to serve God. They threw their faith out the window for what they could have temporarily. He says in verse number 19, Also they reported his good deeds before me and uttered my words to him, and Tobias sent letters to put me in fear. Again, being cordial and being nice with the heathen resulted in a lot of communication for Nehemiah, God's man. Again, like a lot of corrupt news media, the corrupt Jews only reported to Nehemiah the good deeds of Tobiah. The bad deeds, and there were many of those, were simply left out of the news. They tried to convince Nehemiah by this biased report that Tobiah was really a good guy. They failed miserably to convince Nehemiah as the later chapters of the book of Nehemiah will indicate. Tobiah is not a good man, but the news... And it, it, this happens in the political season. This man is so wonderful. And they, and they leave out that everything he's guilty of, absolutely all his corruptness and, and immorality. And, and they know all that. You know, the news media knew years ago that John F. Kennedy was an adulterous man, but they did not report on it. They did not tell anybody that. They kept it all covered up because they knew if they if it ever gotten on in, in 1960... The United States of America would not begin to accept the lifestyle of, of John F. Kennedy. He was an adulterous man. But the media knew it, and they kept it up, and they portrayed this good-looking, handsome young man and a beautiful wife and, and wonderful family, the all-American family. It's Camelot. And yet the man was an absolute whoremonger. And the media knew it, but they only told you the good things. Here we're learning in Nehemiah's day, the, 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 basically the media, Tobiah is a great man. Look at all the wonderful things he did, and they brought out all the, the good things he'd done. You know, he helps old ladies across the street and bought some Girl Scout cookies, and, 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 and he gives to charity. He's wonderful. And, and, and again, they, they, and if they, as we see, he uttered my words to him. If they acted like all the corrupt people act, they would have slant their report of Nehemiah to make him look bad. We see here, again, the, the, the response of Tobiah, which we'll go into another time, Lord willing, uh, in two weeks, Ethan will be preaching, Lord willing, next Sunday night, indicates that what was said of Nehemiah to Tobiah was not a good report. 
It was a report that gave opportunity for Tobiah to attack Nehemiah. And we notice this last phrase, and we'll close with this, where it says, Tobiah sent letters to put me in fear. This sort of action was done to Nehemiah by the adversaries. Again, evil thrives by threats and intimidation. What did we see this morning? We saw that evil and the intimidation and the fear involved in our story we saw this morning. And so many, and, and the men were cordial to was mean and cruel to the best man Israel had. The best man Israel had was Nehemiah, and they're trying to make him out to be evil. When Jehoshaphat, the godly king, got together to help a godless king, Ahab, he was told, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? My friend, we, we sometimes will we'll hate somebody who loves God and then embrace evil. Be careful of that. Be careful of that. We can do it today in our politics. We can do it in our churches and, and, and so many other areas in life. Being cordial to Tobiah, who is earnestly opposed to Nehemiah, will only bring the wrath of God upon the friends of Tobiah. So there's a lot of corruptness here. We're seeing just how really nothing has changed in society. Men are still evil. Men can still be wicked. Men can still be bought. Men can still be corrupt. And people still want power. And thank God for a man like Nehemiah who does not change. He's just constantly the same man, loving God, putting God first all the time. And let it be true of us. Let's stand together for prayer.